Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses, and it's a celebration, well, a little personal celebration for the podcast anyway, because let's be honest, there's not been much to celebrate from Aberdeen this season. Thank you very much to all of you who tune in over on YouTube as we finally hit 800 subscribers. Callum, excellent, given the season we've had to hit that milestone. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, it's made the season off the pitch a lot more enjoyable than it was on it. And we said uh, it would be nice to hit it by the end of the season. I, I'm classifying it as the end of the season. It was before yeah. the Scottish Cup final. We weren't in it. Who cares? Yeah. I'm classifying the end of the season. So thank you very, very much. And um, if you do want to see more from us going into next season as well, of course, remember to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening in, follow us wherever and at RTG underscore podcast on Twitter too. Yeah. And, you know, our last episode was short and sweet because exactly. let's be honest, it had been a long season, a pretty dreadful game. I know there was the one penalty incident aside um, for anyone that realised that we maybe did or didn't record that before the game. Who knows? But what we've done for this episode, we are joined by BBC broadcasting legend Richard Gordon for a report card on the season where we will grade certain segments of the season, A to F, A, of course, being a good result, F being a bad result. I think you're going to get the idea pretty quickly where this report card goes. But uh, a pleasure to be joined by Richard Gordon to look back um, on the season 21-22. Well, Richard, welcome back to Red Tinted Glasses. You've gone from working with two legends in Alex Ferguson and Alex McLeish before the weekend, and now two legends in myself and Callum this Monday evening. Thanks very much for taking the time to rejoin us again. Not at all. Everything was building up to this moment, it has to be said. <laughs> yeah, well, it gets better. And obviously, um, you've been had a very busy weekend, um, obviously being over in Seville last weekend, and then Scottish Cup final. Hopefully you managed to stay hydrated when you were over in Spain as well. Well, as you know, it's very important to uh, take on as much fluid as you possibly can. And uh, I think I achieved, <laughs> I think I achieved that. <laughs> Good. And Callum, I hope you're staying hydrated as well. I know you're a bit full of the cold. So um, if anyone does here, wonder why Callum's sounding a bit different today. That is the reason why. But Richard, you're joining us today to look back on Aberdeen's season of 21-22. Um, I'm sure you're delighted to be joining us. And what, what we're going to be doing is kind of doing our own little kind of school report. So we're calling this the report with Richard Gordon, where we are grading four different segments of the season, A to F. And we are looking at the recruitment cup competitions, both domestic and European, in the dugout, looking at Stephen Glass and Jim Goodwin's performance, and then the league campaign as a whole. So, yes, I'm sure there'll be some high grades achieved. <laughs> yeah, this will be cheery. Oh, well, it's, it's, we've already lasted longer than our last episode, Calm, so we're going in the right direction. Yeah, it's a start. It's a good start. It's, we're always looking to improve, aren't we? Indeed. And as we said, it's a pleasure to be joined by Richard as well. Um, and I think, well, we'll start off with the recruitment segment. Um, obviously, it was a, a season of change um, that started in, in the summer, and it was 11 new players. Um, that Aberdeen brought in. Christian Ramirez came in from Houston for a reported fee of £205,000 if transfer market is to be believed. Um, Scott Brown came in from Celtic. Uh, Declan Gallagher joined on a pre-contract from Motherwell. You had David Bates from Hamburg, another free. Um, 
J. Emmanuel Thomas joining from Livingston, just making the six appearances in this season. I'm only five names in and Richard's already shaking his head, so we can tell this is going to go well. And um, Bruce Anderson going the other way. So um, I know if the Talk Libby boys are listening, they'll um, get their moment in the sun on that transfer. We had Marley Watkins coming from Cardiff, a transfer that sparked... Um, the detective side of our fan base when someone successfully um, spotted the plane on his Instagram story and managed to track it to Aberdeen. Gary Woods made his loan deal from Oldham permanent in the summer and Jack Gurr, the first signing under Stephen Glass as well, coming in from Atlanta B. Uh, just the eight appearances for Jack before leaving very swiftly in January. And on the loan signings, we had Austin Samuel coming in from Wolves, seven appearances as he looks to take his Inverness side to the Premiership tonight as we as we record. Matty Longstaff, remember him? Only five appearances. He came in from Newcastle, both him and Austin left in January. And then Teddy Jenks, made probably most successful loanee this season. Two goals, two assists, 24 appearances, probably fell out of favour um, under Jim Goodwin, but will probably find himself as a quiz question answer um, in the seasons to come as being the only player to score in both league victories away from home this season. So congratulations to you, Teddy. That's a, a nice little award you can have. But Callum, just kind of reeling off those names, it shows how many players we got and probably how unsuccessful the recruitment was. I was really trying to block some of those players and the transfer was a sight of my mind. I think Richard's feeling the same. You've just brought it all back. Uh, it, I don't think any other word can really be used other than a disaster, maybe. Is, is that harsh? I don't know. Richard's thinking whether to agree or not. No, I mean, I think it has to rank as the worst litany of bad recruitment in the history of the club. Mm. We've we've signed bad players before. We've signed players who look like they might be decent. It never quite worked out. I think Christian Ramirez worked for half a season. Mm-hmm. I think Scott Brown, um, half a season perhaps worked. I think Marley Warkins, we all know there's something there when he's fit, getting him fit's yeah. a big issue. Um but it's awful. I mean, it really <laughs> is. It it beggars belief that those in charge of recruitment could have got that so spectacularly wrong, so consistently spectacularly wrong. And I think the biggest thing is the fact that we went into the last couple of games of the season with only Declan Gallagher and David Bates still in the squad. And I think that just shows how glaringly bad the recruitment was. But, you know, obviously Stephen Glass came in before the summer, so would have been able to kind of maybe identify players that he wanted, but we had no head of recruitment. So it was on kind of, and I think in, in Dave Cormack's interview with Graham Hunter, it was kind of indicated that Stephen Glass kind of took kind of bit of ownership on the recruitment, but obviously Steve Gunn, um, you know, the, the um, director of football being in charge of getting those signings. Richard, do you think we have to kind of admit that we got that summer wrong in terms of having the the process in place to get players in. I know we're going to be talking about processes a bit later on as well, but certainly the recruitment process seems to have maybe lacked. Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely the case these days that it's no longer most clubs, certainly any big clubs. It's not just down to the manager. I mean, there was a day when that was it. It was just the manager who was in charge of the whole thing. Um, You do need to... I mean, you just would have hoped that quite apart from, even if we didn't have someone officially in charge, that the contacts are there, that mm. you have, and I don't mean just agents, but, you know, people who with connections to the club or 
um, connections to the individuals involved who can be relied upon and who can make judgments that can help the club. Um, I mean, we, it's, look, we just got it wrong on every single level um, last summer. Yeah, it kind of started off on a bad foot and it just materialised from there. But Callum, is there players in there, you know, obviously Christian Ramirez is, you know, banged us in goals at the start of the season. You know, as, as Richard said, Scott Brown worked to an extent. Uh, Declan Gallagher, I feel, was the probably for me, probably the biggest disappointment came in with the kind of maybe expectation of being a player that we could rely on. I know he got a bit unlucky with injuries and I suppose you could also file Marley Watkins under that category as well, being unlucky with injuries. But is it fair to say a lot of these signings haven't maybe lived up to the expectation of the Aberdeen fan base? Absolutely. And I think you're certainly right to highlight Declan Gallagher in that, um, you know, you look from where he went, helping Scotland get to the Euros, bossing Alexander Mitrovic in that playoff game to where we are now. And at times, don't really like to say it, but looking like he wasn't even that bothered at times too. It was really, really frustrating. And I can imagine he's on a very handsome wage and it's just poor investment. But at the same time, you thought it was going to work. You, having looked at him prior to see how he comes in and then looking at him now, it's just, this, the contrast is is stark and it's it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And on Marley Watkins as well, we all knew that he was going to come in with sort of, is he going to be fit? How, how long is he going to stay fit for? He might get a run of games and then miss five at the same time uh, next week, next time. I think the reliance that was on Marley Watkins as well was also a problem because with Ramirez, that's sort of the one main striker, the main number nine, and then Watkins is maybe your support act. But then once he's out of the team, once he's injured, which we knew was coming, then what are you left with? And we weren't prepared for it at all. Yeah, as we saw um, towards the end of the season when when Michael Ruth got his first Aberdeen start away to St. Johnson. But Richard, do you think as well, you know, we're speaking about kind of the Marley Watkins injury and the, the summer recruitment wasn't great. Then when we look to January with, okay, we're not exactly doing well in the league and we've got we've still got the top six in our sights in, in January. We lose Ryan Hedges to Blackburn towards the end. Niall McGinn goes to Dundee and we only bring in one replacement um, in terms of an attacking centre in Vicente Bezawin from Aldo Den Haag. Um, and then Adam Montgomery comes in um, on loan from Celtic. Dean Campbell also going to Kilmarnock. I know Dante Polvara came in, but we don't really see him due to his um, double hernia. Was there kind of that sense in your mind that Stephen Glass was maybe already facing the exit and he didn't get the backing in January compared to a manager that would have maybe be more stable? Um, I mean, I can see that argument. I would say that, they, I mean, they invested heavily in Vicente Basawan. Uh, he mm -hmm. did not come cheap. Mm. Um, and they see that very much, they hope, I think, as an investment for the future. We needed, I mean, it was clear at that point that we needed recruitment. We needed um, quality replacements in various positions, I suppose. The difficulty is January. I mean, it is, mm. you, know, you look back through the Januaries, and I mean, off the top of my head, Adam Rooney was certainly a, a huge success, and he was a January signing, but it's it's not, it's not every year you can pull out <laughs> someone like that. Um, I mean, some of the, I think Niall was never going to get game time and he wanted to be playing. Um, Dean Campbell clearly wasn't getting game time and he wanted, Adam Montgomery, I just don't quite understand. Um, again, we saw him three or four times 
And yeah. um, I mean, he just they had to they had, he had to go. He he'd given up, hadn't he? Um, I mean, that was clear in his performances. And wanted away, and um, we await to find out what Dante Polvara can bring to the club. So um, it, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't the kind of recruitment that we needed then. But mm-hmm. I do appreciate the difficulties in in doing that. Yeah, and I suppose, Callum, you know, Dante did put in a, a decent performance, uh, albeit in that last game of the season against Mirren, to maybe give some encouraging signs uh, to look for for next season. You know, Richard, you know, identifies the difficulties in working in that January transfer window. That would have been the first transfer window that Darren Mowbray uh, was kind of involved in. Obviously, this summer is the big one that we are all looking to see what... Um, he can bring as well alongside Jim Goodwin. Is there a pressure on that recruitment team as well as Jim Goodwin to get the recruitment right, given how wrong it went last summer? And, you know, not just last summer, let's remember, we haven't exactly had a good track record of recruitment in in recent uh, transfer windows. Not at all. And also to mention January, I suppose, the fact that we brought in you know three strikers on loan last January as well mm-hmm. sort of emphasises that point. Um, I think there is ma- massive pressure um, on Jim Goodwin and Darren Mowbray and Stephen Gunn, I suppose, as well, to get this coming summer uh, correct, especially, you know, you're given two, three, four-year contracts to players. It has to be, they have to be the right players for the way Jim Goodwin wants to play. They have to be the right characters. Because um, we, we all know that the character of some of the players has been questioned so far this season too. There, there's massive pressure, and I think, given it was January, it is hard. And then the fact that it's Darren Mowbray's first um, transfer window as well, where he's actually at the club, maybe there is some sort of leeway given to him then. But now is his time to prove his worth, uh, along with others that are involved. Yeah, and it's certainly going to have a lot of attention on it, given, as we've kind of mm-hmm. discussed now, that the, the poor, you just look at that, I think there's what's that, Jet, Jack Gurr, Samuels, Longstaff, that's five of them all having less than, than 10 appearances. And as Richard identified, even Richard, uh, Adam Montgomery as well, um, only having a handful of appearances as, as well. It's it's not been great. So um, from A to F, Richard, I think it's maybe quite obvious where this one is, mm. is going, but how, how would you recreate, um, grade the recruitment that Aberdeen did this season? So I'm assuming I'm going back to my old school report cards here and uh, A is seen as um, 100% success rate. Yes, and, indeed, yeah. Um, right, okay. It's an F. Yeah. Me. And Callum, I think you're also in agreement. 100%. And you mentioned prior to recording that you sort of spoke with a few people, Glenn, to see what how they would grade things, just to know if we were maybe going to be a bit too harsh. But the fact Richard Gordon's come on and given yeah. an F, I think that tells you all you need to know. It, yeah. it, it's got to be an F all round, surely. Yeah, um, shout out to the State of Scottish Football um, WhatsApp group chat that also rated Aberdeen's recruitment as an F um, from the Aberdeen correspondents in that group chat. So I knew straight away that I wasn't going to be harsh with that. So um, if you agree or disagree, let us know in the comments on the YouTube channel or tweet us at RTG underscore podcast with your thoughts throughout this episode. Um, We're moving on to the cup competitions. Um, both domestic and European so feel free to grade them respectively on domestic and European Um, domestically Aberdeen went out the Premier Sports Cup at the first hurdle sorry to give you those flashbacks Richard as we rested our half the team as we made the trip to Kirkcaldy where Callum caught Covid and um, Aberdeen decided to 
um, go out of the cup, dumped out by Wraith Rovers 2 1. Um, also, um, the night that Calm decided to tweet that we shouldn't be losing to a team with Christoph Berra. Well, that one went well as well. Yeah. Um, Jet robbed of probably goal of the season from that game as well. Um, and then chasing the game at 2 1 down, we brought on both Ryan Hedges, Johnny Hayes, and Scott Brown to try and influence the game, and then lost Johnny Hayes and Ryan Hedges to injury. Although I think, if memory serves right, one of them did become fit for the Carabag game, but we all know how that Carabag game developed. The Scottish Cup beat Edinburgh City 3 0 at home, pretty much as expected, although shout out to J. Emmanuel Thomas for the miss of the season mm. uh, in that game. Um, and then I don't know whether you, both of you will agree or disagree. I think it was a very meek um, dismissal of the Scottish Cup, despite taking the lead through mm-hmm. Christian Ramirez, which sparked wild scenes in the away end. Two goals in 10 minutes before halftime. Um, cheers, Gary Woods. Some good goalkeeping in there. Um, the Dons never recovered in the second half and we exited the Scottish Cup. Um, Europa League Conference. Two back-to-back 5-3 aggregate wins over BK Hacken and Breedelbeck saw us progress to face Azerbaijan outfit Karabag. The first leg taking place over in Baku in some ridiculous heat. Um, Richard, you'll be all too accustomed to the, the um, hot weather after your recent trips, but also probably one of the worst pitches Aberdeen played on this season. Um, coming away with a 1-0 defeat and obviously a season, well, just about a season-ending injury for Andy Constein, raising maybe some optimism that Aberdeen could do the job in the second leg, but um, we saw all too well the quality that Carabag had when they played on a decent pitch as they dispatched us 3-1 on the night at Tawdry, 4-1 on aggregate, which drew to a close our European hopes. So, Richard, to you, um, we'll start domestically. Um Premier Sports Cup, definitely the biggest disappointment of the season for you. Yeah, it was it was the first time I'd got the chance to go along as a fan um, that afternoon um, when I crossed to Percody to watch it. And actually, there, there was a fair bit of disquiet in the stand behind that goal when we saw the team um, mm. and the, the, the mere circumstances that he made so many changes. Because I, although there'd been some decent signs in one or two of the matches up to that point, I think we all realised that we're not good enough. We're not good enough to make six changes for a, a cup tie like that. And um, that said, first half, they were in no bother at all. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was 1-0, but they were coasting. It was alarming what happened in that second half. Um, but you touched on Declan Gallagher earlier. He was so casual. Um, two or mm-hmm. three occasions, there were a big, big disappointments. And, and the moment that Wraith Rovers got back into it, it was only going to be one team on that. It just mm. you just couldn't see us coming back into. I mean, that was that was huge. Um, I mean, almost that wounded me almost as much as the Scottish Cup, the home defeat to Ray Throwers those years back, which mm. um, is ranks up there with one of the most disappointing nights. So that, I just thought it was horrible. Just and and it gave a very early alarm bell, a mm. warning um, that actually maybe this could be a tough season. Um, so yes Gosh. and I, I suppose Callum hindsight is a wonderful thing you know we did rest those players with the Europa League conference game in mind that game didn't go to plan neither did the game in Kirkcaldy either and I suppose for a team like Aberdeen we really can't almost disrespect the cup competitions you know it's our best chance of silverware each season both the, the Premier Sports Cup as it's called just now and the Scottish Cup and 
falling at the first hurdle, especially in that cup to lower league opposition, really is criminal, isn't it? It absolutely is. And as much as you know, they would like to have you know rotated and rested, making so many changes ahead of that race game, clearly a bad idea, definitely in hindsight. But also you could look that maybe if we do take control of the game, get a two, three goal lead, which doesn't sound like Aberdeen this season, obviously, <laughs> but it might have been possible at the time when confidence was maybe a little bit better. Then you could maybe look to rest a couple more players. But for me personally, quite glad I managed to miss the game. Yeah. Uh, contracting COVID-19 was better than being there, um, perhaps. But it, that was that game was sort of the start of the, the, the downward spiral a little bit for us because we'd all been a little bit cheery, a little bit rosy, uh, enjoying mm-hmm. the Europa League, starting off pretty decent in the league, a win against Dundee United at home. Yeah. Um, and then it just sort of got a little bit worse. And OK, we went on to draw at Tynecastle pretty much immediately after, uh, which is a very good point. But mm-hmm. it was just sort of the start of that downward spiral and just really, really frustrating throw away a chance like that and a decent competition. So of course, race lower league, but a decent championship side. And as we found out this season, we're not far off a championship side. <laughs> no, and I suppose, I think we discussed it in the immediate aftermath of the game as well, Callum, um, earlier in the season on the podcast as well. Something you alluded to there is, why did we rest the players? Why did we not, you know, was, you know, Richard said, we were kind of in cruise control in that first half. Put your strongest team out. And if you find yourselves two or three not, then you can have the luxury of resting players. Unfortunately, we did the opposite, found ourselves having to chase the game and um, picked up some injuries. So yeah, the first big disappointment and an and alarm bell started ringing um, on for, for Stephen Glass. And again, as I said, you know, there were certain signs that once those alarm bells started ringing, we never looked like recovering during, during Stephen Glass's tenure anyway. Certainly, uh, just a major, major disappointment. And basically, you've nailed it there. We didn't look like recovering. And ultimately, we never did. Well, or you could say Stephen Glass never did. But Mm -hmm. um, Richard, on to the the Scottish Cup, as we said, probably when you get the home draw against Edinburgh City first up, you really expect Aberdeen to progress. And we did a very professional job on the citizens. um, 3-0, as I said, Hedges, Ramirez and Ferguson with the goals. And when the away draw comes and it's Motherwell, my first concern immediately was the fact that we were playing away from home, given how poor our away form was. But when you take the lead, again, like we did in Wraith, we just gave up the ghost and and went out in rather tame fashion. Yeah, it was just just a hugely disappointing performance. And it it was a mark of so much of what we've seen this season, Um, the inability either to capitalise on taking the lead in a game like that, or just holding on. I mean, back in the, without digging up old territory, you know, back in Derek McInnes's days, for a long time under Derek McInnes, if we were 1-0 up, you were pretty confident we were going to see that game out. Never really have that or had that mm-hmm. throughout the course of this season. Um, and it's, you know, even talking to Motherwell fans, they know Motherwell are not a good team this season. Yeah. And look, look what they've done compared to what we've done. Um, but they certainly... I mean, it all turned very quickly, and of course, it was it was well, it was the the game that spelt spelt the end for mm-hmm. Stephen Glass. Um, Dave Cormack did not look particularly delighted as he sat in the Fir Park stand watching mm-hmm. on. So, um, I think the look in his face mirrored how we were all feeling. It's just horrible because I mean, certainly fans of my vintage, we, you know, we enjoyed so many 
wonderful days in the Scottish Cup. And it's just that, that record now stretches on and on and on and on. And it's particularly disappointing to go out under those circumstances. So, um, well, they're not getting a very good report card for me. No, <laughs> no um, I think the overall report card is, is certainly looking pretty grim, but I suppose, Calm. again, we discussed this on the podcast earlier this season, but that was hugely disappointing. And, you know, Joel Lewis had come in for some criticism. He found himself, I think, was he actually, no, he was actually ill for that game. Mm-hmm. And again, you could look back to the recruitment, Gary Woods coming into the sticks and didn't exactly cover himself in glory that game. Yeah, not not a great uh, deput, deputy, deputy, mm-hmm. one of them. Uh, if just it, it, A lot of it does come back to uh, the recruitment side of things when Christian Ramirez wasn't scoring as well. You would have liked to have had another striker, another option, something mm. different. Um, but that game at, at, at Fur Park, it was terrible. And you could sort of sense it as soon as that full-time whistle went, the fact the players had to come up by the away end as well. Mm. It was very, very sour. It was very, very toxic. And it wasn't the best journeys home either. Um, but the performance, just throwing it away in, in such fashion was just horrendous. Once you get that one goal uh, advantage. And yeah, if, if things hadn't recovered from Wraith, they were never, ever going to recover from that. And ultimately, yeah, that was the end for Stephen Glass. And I suppose to kind of reference something that, uh, Richard mentioned earlier to, as he said to not to bring up old wounds but that Wraith game that they knocked us out at Tawdry that kind of was a similar reaction that I that's the first time I've seen so, like kind of similar reaction from the Aberdeen fan base at full time to a result there was obviously quite a um, angry reception towards Mark McGee after that Wraith game um, and then obviously what happened at Fir Park after the, the defeat um, in the Scottish Cup and as, as Richard said leaded to Stephen Glass's departure. We'll get the grading for the cup competition, the domestic side, in a minute. But um, Richard, moving on to, to Europe, did the wins over BK Hacken and Biedelbeck almost give some fans, I'll, I'll include myself, a bit of a false, a, a bit of a false hope because of the especially that first game against BK at home, the way we played. It was it was great. No, absolutely. Um, I came up. I remember that evening we doing the, the game and um, yeah, feeling really really hopeful. Um, I, I, it was a, it was full of energy. Um, there was a lot of good attacking play. We scored five goals. Uh, we, we I know in between. I think the United game came after the second day, but certainly mm-hmm. there, there was also you know something similar in the win against Dundee United in, in the league as well. So I mean, it didn't last very long, but at that stage, yes. Um, the away leg was poor uh, against Hacken, and, and we lost that obviously. But the, there were some good things, I think, in the from what I recall in the Breederblick games. Um, mm-hmm. We got the first indication of how they were going to use the the corners and the, yeah. the blocking and the, the tactics that we're using then. Um, so, I mean, those first two rounds, absolutely fine. You know, when you think of, of some of the things that have happened to us in Europe over the years, um, no, I, to come through relatively comfortably over the um, the two. Five three aggregate wins. I mean, certainly Carabag was a totally different matter when they were they mm-hmm. were we. But but yeah, um, yes, I do remember. <laughs> there was dim and distant days of feeling full of confidence and optimism after that five one win. And I suppose, Callum, did that kind of confidence from those games give maybe some fans a false hope against Carabag and maybe people underestimate the, the quality that they did possess? 
I think so. Uh, I don't. I don't speak for everyone, but I know from a personal uh, perspective, I definitely got ahead of myself <laughs> at the start of that season. I got a little bit excited. I heard the words we're going to win the lot, and I think uh, underestimated Carabag probably definitely. Who, to be fair, over the course of the recent years in Europe, have done relatively decent. But I just think we were like, oh, this is brilliant. We can actually play football now. It's fantastic. We've, you know, just scored plenty of goals in the previous two rounds. Mm-hmm we'd sort of built ourselves up a little bit and that was sort of us kind of crashing back down to reality uh, against Carabag, who ultimately the better side, obviously their pitch over there did not help whatsoever. Um, but as you said, when you saw when they came over here, uh, they had to say to do the same journey as well in terms of mm. distance and they showed us up completely. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can really, that Carabag game really can't have too many complaints about the result over the two legs. Sorry, I can have a complaint. I didn't get into the game. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, that was your own fault, um, not anybody else's. But um, Richard, you know, you'll have probably seen um, Karabag maybe against Celtic previously yeah. as well. Did you kind of have that feeling that it would be certainly a step up in class for Aberdeen? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, definitely. Um, and actually, even in that away leg on that horrible pitch, from what I remember, there were two or three pretty decent moves that we put together. I do remember mm. them, or they put together. I do remember talking about it in the wake of it. That yes, it would be better for Aberdeen to be at Petology, we thought, um, but there would clearly be a benefit for them as well. And they had two or three excellent players. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean, it was no real surprise that they were a cut above us. And it actually wasn't. I mean, I remember at the time, it, it, it was no great shock that they came to Petology and, and won. Mm-hmm. And I, I think 4-1 over the two legs probably was fair enough, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially the, the second leg, we really did struggle to kind of contain them, obviously, and we did have to start chasing the game as well. But as you said, even over there, we were probably lucky in a sense to come away 1-0. Um, do you think that's, that's fair? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Um, so um, it's just that we can hit that, that ceiling. and. We've actually, when we've had a better team, we're still struggling yeah. against that quality of opposition. So with the sides that we had this year, uh, it was always going to be a step too far, I think. And I suppose, you know, people will look to, to European competitions coming up next season. And, and I know we're going to come onto the league a little bit later on, but just the missed opportunity that Aberdeen kind of had this season when you look at Hearts guaranteeing themselves um, group stage football and obviously both Motherwell and Dungeon United grabbing themselves some European football just a huge opportunity that we've missed out on but maybe as a squad we're still not quite there yet um, Yeah and, and I think that played a big part in the departure of Stephen Glass at mm-hmm. that time because um, I'm pretty sure that the chairman was looking at that and um, decided that removing Stephen improve the chances of getting Europe because he knew the financial yeah. value, certainly mm-hmm. of getting into the group stages, as we're about to find out with Hart. Yeah, uh, indeed. So um, grading then, will Calm will go to you first, um, domestic and then your European grade. Well, uh, domestic, I would, it has to be F again. I mean, really, <laughs> okay, the performance against Edinburgh City was like, Decent, but it's exactly what you'd expect. Um, in fact, to be fair, even then, 3-0 maybe isn't even... It doesn't really... Um, it maybe flatters us a little bit. Um, in terms of and getting knocked out the first hurdle with Wraith, 
um, pathetic, Motherwell, pathetic. And F, so much room to improve. Um, in terms of uh, European football, I'll give it, I'm going to be generous, maybe, and I'll give it a C, I think. It was decent, and then we came up against the type of opposition that we usually do in that round, and the same thing happened. That always happens, essentially. Mm. And Richard, what's your, what's your take? I, yeah. I think you're going to have the same sort of view on domestic anyway. Yeah, I mean, I cannot hang my hat on a home win over Edinburgh City <laughs> to in any way save our cup competitions. for the, so I, I mean, it's an F. It's an F for me in the, the domestic cup competitions. I'd gone for an, I thought we were doing it all together. So I'd gone for an E all told. So that would be a D for you. But, but I cannot agree. Actually, when I think about it, it was two decent enough wins in the first two rounds. Carabag were always going to be too big. So yeah, I mean, I would go C as well then for Europe. So F and C. Well, I was also an F. I was between a C and a D. So I'll just maybe just sit on the fence and go like a C minus. And then I'll just I'll just sit there. I think that's um, fair. You you two can uh, continue the optimism column as you tend to do on this this podcast. I know. Um, then the next um, segment we'll see if we can improve slightly on the what general consensus of F seems to be. Uh, as we move to the the dugout, um, we'll take a look at both. Um, Stephen Glass and Jim Goodwin but we're going to assess the dugout as a whole because I think it's very harsh to grade Jim Goodwin on his um, time yeah. so far so we'll we'll grade the dugout as a whole so Stephen Glass was his first well he was hoping it was going to be his first full season in charge of Aberdeen but he didn't even last a full calendar year um, as um, with a win percentage of just 34%, winning 14 of his 41 games in charge. Callum, did the kind of comments from Cormac about him being the outstanding candidate and the, being the rigorous interview process always cast doubt over Stephen Glass initially? I certainly don't think it helped in any way, shape or form. I think as soon as he said that, everyone sort of... We were immediately, yeah, we were immediately doubting it. I don't know if anyone really believed that he was that outstanding, outstanding candidate, but at the same time, people did still buy into into Stephen Glass, and it was probably combined with that early season optimism of smashing these uh, Nordic teams, and then we saw what happened when we came up against a half decent side. But I don't know. I think anyone who's who maybe thought it was going well it was more in hope rather than actual belief in that it was going to turn mm-hmm. out as a good appointment. Um, and it's sad the way it went she seems a very likeable person um, we should maybe stop employing former players as managers now because it just goes terribly terribly wrong <laughs> it's a shame but um, I don't think anyone was having that he was that outstanding candidate uh, as mentioned by Dave and Richard kind of where do you stand on that I think we both made our feelings clear on the podcast about whether or not the the process was fully in place or whether it was always set to be Stephen taking charge, but, you know, similar to Calm, do you kind of feel those comments did almost play against Stephen at times when results weren't going in his favour? Yeah. I don't think for a minute that uh, the vast majority of the support bought into those comments or, or believed mm-hmm. those comments. Mm-hmm. I think it was always in uh, Dave Cormack's mind um, because he had identified Stephen and he'd spoken to people around Stephen and people around um, soccer um, out there, and and he felt that Stephen ticked a lot of the boxes. He might have been better just phrasing it slightly differently uh, mm. in terms of the 
Well, he look, he was interviewed. He did, but it, whether it was rigorous and whether it was, I'm sure it was thorough. I'm sure it was thorough. Mm-hmm. Um, because they would have been, they wanted it to work first yeah. and foremost. So they needed to know how Stephen was going to approach the job and what kind of football he was going to play. And clearly, as we saw the comments prior to that, and that was going to be important, um, the, the style of football. Um, but yeah, no, it didn't help. And it was very clear, very early on that he was swimming against the tide. And mm-hmm. That's the point where, and I've heard it said since, and actually um, it makes an awful lot of sense that, that had he had someone alongside him who did have the managerial experience um, mm-hmm. and who had been through that kind of horrible run as a manager, who knew how to cope with it, who knew perhaps different ways of trying to inspire the players to get them going again. Stephen just couldn't turn it around. And actually, um, in a sense, I was a little bit surprised in the timing of when he did sack Stephen, because having got to that stage of the season, I thought he probably would just keep him throughout. But I do think that that back in the kind of late autumn mm-hmm. into the, uh, the early, late autumn, early part of the early part of um, winter, if he was going to sack him, that's when it should have happened. Yeah. Because I, I think it just didn't seem feasible that he was going to recover from that. Um like it was just horrible, horrible for him and his family. I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, horrible for us as fans. Um, just, I, and I'm not going to be hypocritical. I was open to it at the time. I, I thought, well, why not try something completely different? And um, so I can't say, oh, you know, I told you so, but <laughs> I didn't. I, I was open, and I, I was clearly I wanted it to work. Yeah, but I just feel that that very very quickly it became clear, and I think he hung on too long mm-hmm. at that point. And then the change was made, and, and by that stage, he was because do you you know just from from your perspective, Richard? Do you think you know again we're speaking hindsight in hypothetical situations? Would Stephen have maybe also benefited from being kind of in like you know you see people in that director of football, and then him speaking to as you said maybe a more experienced head coach manager type of thing? Do you think we could have seen success if it worked in that style? Yeah. Well, possibly. Um, I mean, I just don't know because I, I don't know enough about Steve. I know, obviously, we, we did a bit of digging and you find out what kind of involvement Stephen has had in coaching um, and briefly in, in management during his, his time leading up to Pataudry. Um, But I just don't know. I don't know what Stephen Glass's real attributes are in that sense. Um, so I don't know where his strengths are, what, what he would actually bring to the table. <clears throat> and... But I, I do, I do fully believe that I mean, he knows the game. Um, and mm-hmm. he, I spoke well enough about it. But I do think that having a wise old head alongside him could have made a big difference. Uh, I don't yeah. know if it would have, yeah. it would have something joined completely. I suppose it's all ifs, ifs and buts yeah. now. Um, Callum, I suppose there was signs of some good football being mm-hmm. played under Stephen Glass. You know, that's the style he wanted to play. We saw it against uh, against Hacking. We saw against Dungeon United on the opening day of the season as well in spells. Uh, the other game that kind of stands out for me as well was the St Mirren game back in Dece- December when we just really blew them away in that first half. But I suppose the biggest issue for us was defensively, we couldn't keep the ball out of the net. Was it almost a stubbornness from Stephen Glass that he didn't want to change his style to make us that bit more defensively sound? Possibly. I think a lot was made 
when he came in about we're going to play this attacking football the free flowing is going to be pleasant on the eye and Aberdeen fans are going to enjoy watching their team again and obviously at times we absolutely did at the start of the season and we go back to that maybe at times there was a bit of stubbornness and try to also try to play that style when maybe it's not 100% suited with the players you have having only had one transfer window to try and change the whole way the, the team the, the team plays try and flip it completely from being that solid of sort of solid organized we'll get the result team under previous management to this now beautiful flowing football side it's a lot of to ask in such a short amount of time when you've still not had like a full turnover of players and you're asking for total different things from the players I think that's maybe another thing that maybe should have been taken into account and having recognized that then he could have it has sort of a plan B for when these things aren't happening and when we can then start to grind out results instead of, you know, repeatedly failing when we're trying to play this football. It's, it's, it is very hard. And also, as Richard mentioned, maybe if there wasn't experience said, then there might have been someone to talk in his ear and say, look, you've not got the right players yet. Let's try something else. And maybe it would have worked out for the better. But as you said, a lot of if, buts and maybes and it's just, Unfortunately, the way the way it all worked out, really ugly. Yeah, and I suppose you know, if, you know, Richard said that you know journalists alike would have done their digging, we did our digging when he was appointed, and you could kind of see from his record at Atlanta B, his Atlanta B team wasn't exactly renowned for keeping clean sheets. A lot of the games were were high scoring, but but Richard Cal makes quite an intriguing point as well. You know, I've maybe put the focus on was Stephen Glass stubborn not to change his style, but. Did we maybe not have, as Callum says, the players that suited the style of play Stephen wanted to play? And again, is it that just things didn't align? Well, if that is the case, then it's his fault and it's the club's fault because they had last summer to, or from the point where he was appointed, to Mm. get the players in place. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there were moments where, I mean, I was going to watch him with my hands over my eyes as they tried to play out across the six-yard box and that I mean unbelievable some of the the risks they took and you're right that you know unless you have got players who are central defenders who are very very comfortable in the ball um and a goalkeeper who's quite happy to be put under that kind of pressure um I just think it's it's a fatal flaw to continue to try and I, I think they did they, they kind of stopped after a bit there were some games where it was just horrifying to watch. Um, and I mean, talk, seven clean sheets all season. Mm-hmm. I think Jim had a couple in the, the, the closing part of the season. But, you know, yeah. I mean, that is horrendous. Um, I mean, back in the day, they'd have had seven clean sheets by the end of September. I mean, it's just astonishing. And and we didn't score enough goals. So, mm-hmm. look, I mean, it's, it's not a great recipe, is it? Um, no. And it just got worse. And worse as the season progressed. Yeah, and just looking at the stats we're coming to for the the league, it was only thirty eight goals scored in the league this season. So, um, yeah, definitely didn't score enough this season. But uh, unfortunately, as we we said, you know, Stephen did lose his job after the, the defeat to Motherwell in the Scottish Cup and um, moved quickly. Um, Dave Cormack to appoint Jim Goodwin. Um, Richard, were you um, happy with the appointment of Jim? Yeah, um, I, for me, he was he was an outstanding candidate. Um, look, it's 
timing is a great thing in football, isn't it? If it had been two months earlier, um, in most people's eyes, he would not have been the outstanding candidate because mm-hmm. at that point, St. Mirren were on a long run, but they're a win, but they put together a very fine... Like I've, I've always been a fan of Jim's. I like his style. I like listening to him. I think he's done it the right way in terms of moving up in his coaching and managerial career. Um, I think, generally speaking, everything I hear, players like working for him. Um, there's a lot... There's been a, a lot of positivity about Jim. Um, and yeah, delighted when he, he was appointed. Um, I have been, I would say, over the piece disappointed that, that we haven't seen a better um, improvement. But I don't think anyone should be judging him right now. I mean, he's come in to all sorts of issues. Um, I don't think the club has helped itself. Um, certainly in terms of the Andrew Considine situation, I think that should have been handled better and I don't think that helped any um, some of the departures I was delighted that they got rid of certain players um, I couldn't quite understand what on earth was going on with Christian Ramirez mm-hmm. so I mean there's there's a lot that has been badly handled or mishandled the form hasn't been as good as I'd have expected the results haven't been as good as I expected I think we scored three goals in the last half dozen matches I mean you're towards yeah. the end of the season you're looking to try to leave the fans with something and, you know, we left them with a nil-nil draw against the Mirren, so... Um. Yeah, and I think I said um, the David Bates goal um, was the only goal in open play that we scored in one of our last four games. So, obviously, the Lewis Ferguson was a penalty against yeah. Livingston, a penalty against Dundee, and then um, the Bates against Hibbs, and then nil-nil, as you say, against uh, St Mirren, and also St Johnston as well. So, yeah, pretty grim um, from terms of open play, but... Um, you know, you mentioned the Christian Ramirez situation. We've we've talked about it on on here. Um, do you think the club should have just kept him for that last couple of games and then let him go? Do you think the way it was dealt with so publicly is, I guess you, you know you you referenced the Constantine thing. Is the way the club have dealt with these things so publicly made it difficult for the fans as well? I, I mean, I think that he was going home to have a rest. I'm sorry, you've got a week to go. Mm-hmm. And the ridiculous situation where young Michael Ruth has been told he's being released and then gets his first start for the club. Yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, it just it left, it left a bit of taste. And I'm sorry, yeah. If look, I think Christian Romero certainly clearly wasn't happy that Stephen Glass was removed from his post, was he? And mm-hmm. he's he's pretty much offered next to nothing since then. Um like if he's not going to be part of it next season, maybe they were as well just saying, off you go. But yeah. um, I, no, I, if I was, if it was me, I would have wanted him to stay. and mm-hmm. wrong every last ounce yeah. of him before he goes. Well, I think, as you said, with the, obviously Marley Watkins, you know, kind of not being fit enough and we then put, as you said, poor Michael Ruth in that awkward situation where he said, well, you're leaving the club and then you offer him next to no service in his first start for the club. Uh, really felt, really felt for him. But Callum, I suppose, is, as Richard says, it is kind of difficult to to judge Jim Goodwin so far. You know, it's not his squad, but it's quite refreshing to hear from someone obviously as respected as Richard, who's worked in the media, has heard and maybe dealt with Jim on certainly a more regular basis than we'll have um, ever had dealings with. So, Encouraging that, you know, certainly maybe the players that Richards had dealing with who have then worked under Jim have that level of respect. It's obviously quite clear that maybe certain players in this Aberdeen squad don't have that level of respect for Jim Goodwin. 
So maybe signs of encouragement, as you kind of alluded to in terms of transfer, getting players in that will respect mm-hmm. Jim Goodwin and players that Jim Goodwin wants. It's We can't really judge him on what we've seen so far, which is, of course, just two wins from 12, five draws and, and five defeats. Yeah, basically you can't you can't judge Jim Goodwin right now. I think we all would have loved for him to come in the door, immediately fix things and get us into that top six qualify for Europe. I, realistically, with the way Aberdeen have been this season, the whole club has been an utter car crash with the way, the way the leaks have been coming out, players being told they're leaving like a month before the end of the season, then Ramirez going away. I think there's a lot more for Jim Goodwin to fix than than would have been just him coming in the door and having a new manager bounce. Um, it is encouraging to hear that you know players do enjoy working for him and things like that. I I'm, I think this summer will be a massive one for, for Aberdeen in general. Jim Goodwin, if it goes right and if it goes the way he wants it to go, I'm sure we'll be in a far better place in 12 months. And he said, don't judge me now, judge me in 12 months. He's not had his squad. The whole thing's been a problem with, as I mentioned, the leaks. And I think there's bigger problems than Andy Constein's agent uh, right now at the club. It, it will be a very, very interesting one. But I do have faith in him that he could turn us around. I don't know if it will just be one transfer window to fix it. I have a feeling he might need a little bit more time than that. And well, here, here's hoping he gets it. But if there is signs of improvement, then I'm sure he will be afforded that time as long as we're going in the right direction. Yeah, and I suppose just finally, um, you know, to make the, the point that you said is you hope he is afforded that time to kind of get things right. Richard, you know, I've kind of been kind of vocal in the fact that there is almost a pressure on Jim Goodwin to get it right this summer, not just in terms of transfer targets, but then to hit the ground running in the Premier Sports Cup and also the league. Because if we start poorly and, you know, God forbid, exit the group stages in the Premier Sports Cup and, and start the league run um, poorly, how, how quickly could Jim find himself under some serious pressure? Um, well, look, fairly quickly, I guess. Um, the one thing I would say is that I would be astonished if he is not given as much financial support this summer. Hmm as he wants, essentially. Because you can be guaranteed that Dave Cormack does not want this to go badly wrong. He mm-hmm. needs this to be successful. Um, so I would think that, I, I'm not saying it'll be an open checkbook and he'll get yeah. absolutely everything he wants, but they, mm-hmm. they will give him feasibly um, as much support as they possibly can. Um, yeah. And if, if they get, I know they've got, I don't know names, but I, I've been told that um, if they get the targets that they've got lined up, there are players there that will, that will excite the fans um, and that will certainly improve the quality of the squad. But Callum's right. I mean, this is it's a huge summer. Mm. And I'm really interested. I don't know how long it will be before we start to hear some names and, and mm. fields are being announced, but um, can't wait to hear the yeah. first few names, because mm-hmm. I think that might just give us a little indication as to where they're um, pitching it. And and from what I'm told, I, I don't know, um, but from what I'm told that that Darren Mowbray certainly, the, the net has been cast far and wide. Mm. And um, uh, I think the club is, is, is happy with the suggestions that, that he's coming up with. But it's got to be Jim Goodwin. Jim Goodwin has yeah. to make that final decision. Certainly. Because 
it's his team. He'll want them to play a certain way. Um, and he did. His track record is pretty decent. Now, I know he was operating at a different level in terms mm-hmm. of the, the transfer market. But he's brought in a lot of players who have really benefited St. Mirren in particular during that time. Yeah. Um, if there's any slight concern, the one area that he hasn't found an answer is in the striking department because he hasn't brought in a striker who scored goals regularly. So mm. obviously, um, graded um, from midfield. Yeah, I suppose but, Eamon Brophy was a bit of a disappointment for St. Yeah, I, you know, seven or eight goals. Yeah, um, I actually thought you were going to say defensively, considering <laughs> how easy it would be to fix. And um, we continue to leak goals, but I suppose no, um, I, you could class it under the fact that it's not his defence and we'll see how, no. how how that works um, this summer. But yeah, certainly one to um, kind of certainly keep an eye on and intrigue is, as you said, the names that have been casted. You know, you, you are right. Some of the recruitment he did, especially with St Mirren, was admirable. Even this season, you just need to look at, uh, as I think we compared on the podcast, the two loanies both clubs got from Wolves. We got Austin Samuels <laughs> and St Mirren got Connor Ronan. So, you know, which uh, which team got the better of the two players. Um, so if we're looking to grade the dugout, as I said, it's going to be collectively because I think it's it's harsh to just grade Jim on his own. Um, Richard, where would you where would you grade the the dugout performance? Uh, I'll give it an E, and that's only because we avoided getting dragged into the relegation playoff. Um, I, I just in a season where teams who were not playing well and, um, you know, had, had other than qualifying for Europe, had disappointing campaigns in the sense, you know, I, th- I think Dundee United have done well. That's not fair. Dundee United have done well, um, hearts clearly. But to, you know, Motherwell's by no means been a vintage season for Motherwell. Um, you know, and, and to finish up behind some of the teams that we finished up behind and compare mm. their budgets to <clears throat> what we are working on. Um, I think E is probably generous. Callum, are you going to be as generous? I don't know. I'm not sure because <laughs> E is generous. It is generous. But in terms of mentioning there all some of the, we're going to use the word dross that's been in this league and I include ourselves in that. The fact we are not somehow in somewhat sort of a relegation battle still. Um, I was watching the game against uh, St. Johnston against Inverness and I was thinking mm-hmm. it's a miracle we're not in this game <laughs> right now. So I suppose some credit has to be going for that but at the same time that wasn't the aim throughout the whole season. Mm. We finished 10th. It's It's got to be an F. Come on. I, I just, I, it, it was terrible. There was a few good moments, you know, that week where we uh, beat hips, <laughs> uh, beat parts. And How fondly we look back on that week. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that week was good, but other than that, it's been terrible. <laughs> and we finished 10th. It's an F for me. I see. I'm kind of alongside Richard. I've gone with an E as well, just because I think the fact, I think also if the fact we're including Jim Goodwin in this box yeah, up to me. Um, you know, I kind of also kind of agree slightly with with Richard in terms of the, the the timing around Stephen's departure. It wasn't done. Maybe I think there was a lot of people believed after that defeated Dens when he looked kind of a resigned figure that it was maybe not done then. And 
yeah, I think as well, you know, Jim coming in when he did, not having the, the transfer window to bring in his own players and having to deal with what he did. And I know top six was still on the cards on the last day before the split. And well, we ended up staying up instead. So yeah, for me, it's an E, but it's certainly not a pretty, pretty E. But yeah. I think the census is so far that there's certainly a lot of room for improvement. Um, next season um, yeah. and we'll finish up with just the league form the league and then just touching on our ambitions for, for next season I think it's pretty obvious where the league grade is going to go but um, our home form saw us rank fifth in the table playing 17 at home winning seven drawing four losing five gaining 25 points up Tawdry scoring 23 goals conceding 17 away from home was where the problem lies though two wins in the 17 games five draws 10 defeats just 11 points on the road only Dundee could do worse on the road than Aberdeen this season picking up 10 points um, scoring 15 goals and conceding 25 it was pretty grim reading on the road so fair play to anyone who attended all 17 um, matches certainly in the league anyway um, although Callum I suppose you kind of alluded to we did make a good start, not just in Europe, but we were unbeaten in our first four in the league and things came might not have been certainly rosy, but showed signs of what could be. But we then followed that up with five straight defeats. And again, as we were speaking about alarm bells and, and not recovering, Aberdeen's league season never really recovered from those five defeats. No, I, I could just leave it there if you want. Uh, yeah. it, it was... It, it it was an awful league campaign. I refer, just referenced it. We had a week where things were great, uh, essentially, and we did start the season pretty well. When we got that late winner against Livingston, obviously, it was very much a helping hand from Max uh, Strichek. I thought maybe we do have that little bit of grit or, or something that we can grind out those results. Mm. Uh, that w- was soon um, revealed that was not the case essentially it it was just absolutely appalling and the fact it was sort of branded that um entertaining football and how much at times we did get that at times still it was just eye bleeding stuff and just ended up ended up with 18 shots yeah but two of them have hit the target and we've conceded <laughs> from the one shot we've let go on target so that's about how it went for the most of the season it was just Oh, I'm, I'm so glad it's over. And um, <laughs> talking about it, it's been a task, but there's been some there's been some reasons to be positive that we've 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 covered as well. And and Richard is was the biggest problem then kind of that consistency. You look at the, yeah. as I said, you know, four unbeaten to start, followed up with five straight defeats with a one week in October, the nice free flowing football against St Mirren in in December. There was just never, we never followed up one performance with another. No, I was just, I was having a quick look back there because the, the start of December was okay as well, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. I remember that similar game very well. There was a win against Livingston, win against St. Johnston, and um, albeit that was fortuitous in the extreme. <laughs> um, it was really from the, it was from the turn of the year that it really nosedived again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the problem with it, it wasn't just us. And this is what makes it all the more frustrating. Yeah. It was, Hibs were on a horrendous run at that point. Motherwell were on a horrendous run at that point. Um, 
yeah, it's just just a horrible league campaign. I mean, you can all the way to 2004, would it be the last? Yeah, when we finished in 11th. So mm-hmm. it kind of says it all. Their way form, I mean, the way form was awful. And I've got so much respect for all the, the, the guys and um, girls who were going every away game. Uh, I mean, I, the numbers must have begun to uh, drop a little bit, I would think. But mm-hmm. it must have been soul-destroying watching us away from home this season even more than at Petodri. So, um, nah, it's just, there is there is no defence you can put up for, and we quite literally had no defence. <laughs> Very ironic. Um, yeah, no defence for um, what was a, a shocking league campaign. Um, so I, I think it's fair to say it's F's all round for the League Cup. <laughs> yeah, basically. There, there's, there's nothing else to add, is there? No. No. Um, so moving on then, the final segment, we'll try and kind of generate a bit of positivity and, and look towards the ambitions for next season. Richard, That Jim Goodwin's kind of been out in the press saying, you know, we should be looking to finish third next season. He wants to kind of build a squad that will get us there. You know, as much as obviously as fans, we're we're delighted to to read that. Based on what we've seen this season, is that almost being overambitious? Should we be almost reining in our hopes for next season? Just looking at is it just a simple case of looking at an extended cup run and getting into the top six would be a start? <laughs> I, th- I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with pitching your ambition at third, but it, it will be absolutely dependent on what kind of summer he has. Because mm. Hearts, their recruitment last year was outstanding. When you look at the, the players, they brought, Gary McKay-Steven, I think it's flattered to deceive a bit, but the, the, most of the rest of the players they brought in have been a real impact. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got guaranteed money, big mm-hmm. money in relative terms coming in. They've got the European football through until at least Christmas. So you can be assured that they will be investing. And if they have a similar success rate this summer, yeah, in terms of the recruitment, I think they're probably too far ahead of us to to pull back in, unless unless we Europe catches up with them, maybe. Well, possibly, possibly. Um, but I, I mean, I, I was going through the squad earlier, and I was who's going and you know, what can they offer? I reckon we need ten or eleven mm. quality players in that squad. And I'm really not sure how many of the starting lineup from this season. I, I think more will get more than we would probably want <laughs> will mm. still be in the starting eleven. Um, but I'm struggling, struggling to see how if we are still if we were still left with the rump of that squad, not a chance of in any way um, putting a dent in, in the advantage Hearts have over us right now. So it's completely dependent on Jim having a spectacular summer in the transfer market. I suppose, Calm, you know, 10 players, Richards, you know, saying, identifying, I think Jim Goodwin was saying, you know, five or six is the quality he's kind of seeing. Do you think we might see a bit of reliance on some of the youth players? Obviously, we saw what Con- the impact Conor Barron had when he came back from Kelty. There's been talk around Ryan Duncan after his loan spell at, at Peterhead. Um, obviously, we saw some of the, the young guys, Dylan Lobin and, and Liam Harvey, being in the, in the squad for the last couple of games of the season. Do you think we'll maybe have five or six signings and then we will have, 
youth players being integrated. And then the one player that kind of stuck out to me, I don't know if it did to you, Richard, when you were going through the, the squad list, is is Matty Kennedy. Uh, I'm waiting for the, he'll be like a new signing right, to be um, dished out around him, obviously. A player Jim Goodwin's a big fan of and, and he hasn't been able to utilise him so far, but I can certainly see that phrase getting banded out. Yeah, look, there is, again, there, there's something there with Matty Kennedy because we've seen it in the past, um, mm. but it's a long time since we've seen it. And he's another one who has real issues getting fit, staying fit and making a consistent contribution. I, I'll be honest, um, the various names I was writing down and, and the thoughts I was having earlier, Matty Kennedy didn't even enter my thinking. Um, <laughs> a big, and that, that is, I don't mean that to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. It's just a reflection of, of what the contribution he's made so far. Yeah. Or made, you know, relatively recently in, in an Aberdeen squad. I, I think you could probably say that for quite a few of this yeah. squad, but but Callum, would you be against you know that idea of integrating some of those youth players into the squad? If you know, again, we kind of I think we kind of touched on it um, last season, and certainly at the start when you know Stephen brought in the likes of Calvin Ramsey, Jack McKenzie. If he said, "Look, this is the five or six that we're bringing in from outside, but we want to develop some of these youth players," would would you be against that? Um, I still think I, I f- one or two more might be required in addition to that five or six. But in terms of integrating some of them, uh, you look at you know Ryan Duncan especially and in Gwenya, I think that's two mm-hmm. that really stick out in my head that have had good loan spells at a relatively level similar to what Connor Barron just had. And those are two players that I would certainly be happy with being integrated into the squad and getting good first team minutes. In terms of like Liam Harvey, Evan Towler, Dylan Lobin. I think it's maybe a little bit too early just now, uh, especially given the massive improve- improvements that we do require. Um, but I, I think there will be two or three that do that do uh, hang around and will start to get some minutes. And it's certainly within Gwenya anyway. And that left-back spot's up for grabs. Okay, McKenzie's been decent at times, but mm-hmm. you know, not set the world light. He has his fitness troubles too. It's there to go and get for Kieran Gwenya after a decent uh, season at Kelty. Ryan Duncan, we've lacked creative sparks going forward. Perfect chance for him as well. And I think the Betfred Cup group stages could be good times to see those players in an Aberdeen shirt playing around uh, some of the Aberdeen players that will be there for the, the, the season. Uh, and then if maybe it's, it's a little bit too soon, there's still a time to then go and improve and bring in a couple more, uh, maybe first team players that are more experienced, but it'll be very, very interesting. And I'm very, very excited, as Richard mentioned, once we start seeing those names being linked, I'm sort of eagerly waiting that, um, but it needs the Jim Goodwin uh, seal of approval, uh, in my opinion. We saw the type of player he was. Um, I don't think he'll sign anyone. Uh, he won't settle for less, essentially. Uh, so I look forward, I look forward to that very much so. I think it will depend on how successful he is um, with his targets in the transfer yeah. market as to how many of these kids we see. Um, because mm. I think probably most of the names you've mentioned there would be more likely to benefit from half a season playing championship, top of yeah. league one, uh, and actually getting more games on that. Because, you know, the guys I speak to who are in the game, that's that's what they say constantly. They get, you're much better getting these kids out playing and, and actually yeah. getting minutes on the pitch. Yeah, and I think we've seen obviously the benefit that Connor Barron's had this yeah. season, um, having benefit 
expected from his loan spell at Kelty. But Richard, for you as well, obviously the league season this season was really disappointing. As you said, just narrowly avoiding that championship playoff place. It, if we were to you know, struggle in the league again next season, how important is it that we perform a lot better in the cup competitions? Give the fans something else to look forward to. Obviously, there's no European football this season. The you know opportunity to win silverware is something we as fans crave, fans of any club crave. And as you said, you know that Scottish Cup record continues to go on. That's certainly something that we've got to look to improve on this season coming. Totally. Um, yeah, because we love a cup run. All of us football fans do. And, and you know, we're long, long past the days where we could have any thoughts about actually winning yeah. the league. Um, so definitely. Um, and and like, you try to put a bit of, as a fan, don't you? You try to put a wee bit of a positive spin on. And as the new season approaches, you know, and even you know, some of my pals have spoken to say, oh, I'm looking forward to the group stages <laughs> of the uh, League Cup. Well, you know, maybe get to some grounds we haven't been to for a wee while. A chance to, um, I mean, you would hope we've got more chance of uh, winning a few games in the group stages of the <laughs> League Cup than perhaps in Europe. So, um, look, look, momentum is everything. Get mm. New players and win a few games in the League Cup. You never know. I suppose, Calm, it's also important that we get those players in before the group stage begins so that the players are embedded and we can start seeing kind of the style that Jim Goodwin wants to play as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all very very well and good, you know, being patient, waiting for the right target, etc. But you do need them in with a decent amount of time to bed them in, to get them used to the style of not only playing, but training that Jim Goodwin will be expecting. Uh, so ideally we will get them in, uh, but we'd like them all in before the group stages. Um, I can't see that being the case, but we can you know, start to see the shape of the squad coming together before that. And also, not only that, in terms of shifting season tickets before uh, um, the league season starts as well, if we do look actually half decent for once in a group stages of a competition, um, then then you never know. But I I, I certainly am uh, buying into the, the League Cup group stages. Um, just, just excited um, to be in the group stages of a competition, uh, summer football, um, and hopefully with some new players that actually show that they want to care, that they want to play for the club and they actually care that would be nice too. That's my main thing, to be honest. See, this has been like therapy for you. I know. We've, we've started off doom and gloom and feeling desperate and we've just eased you through the season. We've got rid of it all now. And look at you. You're bouncing now full of yeah. hope and great. optimism. And it was also just reminded me that I actually still need to go and renew my season ticket. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if anyone else has enjoyed that same sort of feeling towards the end of the episode and, and is now suddenly renewed. Um, but yeah, I'm also, as kind of Richard said, like some of his friends are looking forward to the group stages. So am I. I'm kind of hoping we get Stranor away at the weekend. That would be a nice ground to tick off a, a good long trip. Rather that than a Wednesday night anyway. But um, obviously the season, this season, I think it's quite resounding. It certainly looks like it's an effort, a, a resounding failure, but we can but hope next season brings relative success. And I think I'll think anything compared to this season will be seen um, <laughs> as a success because God hoping it can't get much worse. But um, Richard, it's been an absolute pleasure to get you on, get your insight um, as someone you know respected in the game in, in Scottish football. So thank you for taking the time to um, Thanks, join us. Yeah, pleasure. Um, no, absolute pleasure. Love it. 
and also I suppose from myself and Callum just a thanks for taking the time and given you know what you've given to Scottish football obviously you, you've taken the decision to, to leave the BBC after 30 years service and um, Saturdays won't be the same hearing your tones and telling us the scores from around the ground and you know I think I certainly speak for myself and, and a few other fans missing will it'll be a miss um, not having you on the radio someone that is impartial to that West Coast media. <laughs> I can say that you can't. Um, and, and yeah, it will be a mess. And, you know, for someone that has dedicated their life to Scottish football to dedicate myself and Callum a bit of time, I, I know obviously we're going to have the episode with you um, out next week as well, the five aside episode. So it's not the first time you've, you've given up your time to speak to us. So I uh, just want to say a big thanks to, to you for giving up your time to join us on Red Tinted Glasses, but also for what you've done for, for Scottish football as well. I really appreciate it, guys. Um, like it, it wasn't uh, an easy decision, um, but I just figured that 30 full seasons was probably a nice round number. And I'll still do. I'll still be doing Sundays and midweeks. It'll be very strange um, when the new season kicks off, not to be either sitting in the studio or out at a ground. Uh, but I'm looking forward to carrying on with the, doing bits and pieces of the BBC and to, to doing the work with Cove Rangers as well, which is, mm-hmm. is, is really exciting. And also, um, because I'm moving home, hopefully getting the opportunity to get along to Pataudry as a fan again, which I've yeah. not done in, well, I have or occasionally, but essentially I haven't done in, well, 35 years, I suppose, since I entered the, the broadcasting business. So, um, yeah. Gosh, I'm almost getting excited about next season as well. What have you done to me? See, it, it rubs off Calm's optimism, honestly. It does strange things to people. But yeah, all the best with um, so with, much, uh, with Cove Rangers as well. And never know that could be a derby, maybe in the cup or ne- never knows in the league in a few years to come. Hopefully a few years on that. Um, <laughs> well, from an Aberdeen perspective, I know from a Cove perspective, you'll be hoping maybe sooner rather than later. But yeah, thanks again, Richard. No worries. And thanks again to Richard Gordon and Callum. Also, thanks to you for joining me on the episode. And I suppose we should also thank the rest of the co-hosts and guests that we've had on um, this season to everybody that's contributed to Red Tinted Glasses. And obviously, of course, you at home, whether you've been watching or listening. Um, But nice to end with uh, speaking to someone like Richard, especially the season and service, as I said there, he's given to Scottish football. Absolutely. It, it was fantastic. Talking to Richard doesn't really feel like you're talking to someone from the media, despite the fact he's been, you know, so involved in it for 30 yeah. plus years. Um, it, it does sort of feel like it's just another fan's perspective, but also he has the added bonus of that experience of and <laughs> contacts and knowing some of certain information as well. Uh, so absolutely fantastic. And um, thank you once again to Richard for joining us and all the best in the new venture with Cove Rangers too. Hope it goes well. Not too well that they come up to the Premiership and beat us, but... <laughs> yeah, or beat us in the cup, as, as you meant. And if you have enjoyed Richard on this episode, um, as we said, you can hear from him again next week where, um, I said, obviously, with it being the end of the season, we've got that bit of lull in content. We will have our reaction to the Premier Sports Cup draw, which is being taken place on Wednesday, the 25th of May. So our reaction to that cup draw and who we are facing alongside a little segment with Richard Gordon looking at the last 20 years, picking a five-a-side team from Great Britain and Ireland and pipping them against a rest of the world five-a-side team, all based on Aberdeen the last 20 years. Come along, let's see, remember some of the players that you may have forgotten about because trust me, when it comes to the rest of the world team, there were certainly, we were having to scrape the barrel at times. 
Absolutely. I'm sure there was even players that we missed out and Richard missed out. So um, I'm sure people will let us know in the comments down below. And don't forget to subscribe uh, for that episode as well. There's much, much more coming and hopefully a very, very busy transfer window. Um, follow wherever you're listening in and follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast on Instagram at RTG dot podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in again. We hope you did enjoy the episode and we'll see you very, very shortly. <laughs>